the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Well, the Royals have now lost nine games in a row for the first time since April of 2012. They find themselves buried in the standings at 7-16. and 16. And yes, I said buried even on the last day of April. So listen on at your own risk. Going to be very honest and very bold about where the Royals are at and where they're going here on this latest edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo, and I'm glad you're along to listen, although it's pretty sad where we're at right now with a core group of players who have revived and brought baseball back to Kansas City. And nobody can ever take that away from these guys, nor the back-to-back World Series appearances, or nor the World Series victory, nor having an all-star MVPs you know, come from this current core of guys and all these gold gloves and the excitement that this team has done for this community and this fan base and the entire Midwest is something nobody can ever take away and something we should all remember as we kind of mourn uh, the end of the 2017 season before it even started. And maybe that's being over the top. Maybe I'm being dramatic, but I don't think so. We'll talk about why that is coming up here over the next 30 minutes or so. Let's start off with where the Royals find themselves as they wake up on May 1st. What have we been saying all month here and the last several years? The old adage is, of course, you can never win a division in April, which is true, but you can certainly lose a division in April. And the Royals have already lost the AL Central. That's done. They're eliminated from the AL Central talk at this point. And I apologize to everybody who listens here on Clubhouse Conversation. If you go back and listen to our predictions over the last several years, they've been pretty good. You know, nobody's spot on, but it's been pretty good when it comes to things we've predicted with the Royals and things we've broken and, you know, throughout the years. But I feel like I failed you and I and I'm pretty embarrassed by how wrong I was about this team. I, I really am. I, I really thought this team would win the Central. And a lot of the things I thought that would happen to Cleveland have happened, where they struggled a bit out of the gate. You know, They started off banged up, as we knew, with Brantley not being able to play every day and, and Kipnis being on the DL. We knew Josh Tomlin told you right here he was a gas can. We knew Trevor Bauer was overrated. We knew a couple of the starters had injury concerns. And Cleveland had started off pretty slow in the month of April. They're starting to pick it up a little bit now. But I thought the Royals would win the AL Central because I thought the Royals would win around 90 games. And I really think Cleveland will win in the upper 80s. I thought the Royals could really outplay Cleveland because I figured last year they're 81 and 81 with everybody injured, right? The Royals. They go out and had the best rotation they've ever had on paper since Dayton's been here. No doubt about that, right? The guys are healthy again. You had some nice veteran bats in Soler and, and Moss. I mean, Soler's not really a veteran, but you had a nice veteran bat like Moss to go along with some of these other guys that are nice veterans, mostly in their prime. And one final year together, playing for Ventura, healthy again, with some new blood coming in. One more run at this. You know, they played about as bad as they could, I thought, last year with injuries and went 81 and 81. I knew knew Cleveland would not run away with this thing. I knew Cleveland would not win 95 games this year. I really thought the Royals would win this division. I thought the Royals were much better than Minnesota and the White Sox, and they'd be able to take care of them. And I thought surely the Royals could win more than five or six games against Cleveland, which is all they did last year. I believe they went 5-14 and 14 last year against Cleveland. I thought surely they could be a 9 or 10 win team against Cleveland this year right there. And that gets you up in the high 80s, you know, if you take care of Cleveland and the White Sox almost on its own right there. But I, I don't know how everybody in this team has turned into a pumpkin. It's like, it's like people have aged 10 years over the winter, all over the team. It's not one guy, it's not two guys, it's not three guys, it's 25 guys, realistically. 
So the Royals wake up on May 1st, still with a chance to make postseason if you look at the wild card. They ain't going to win the Central now. Because Cleveland's going to be able to win in the upper 80s. I've always thought that. I, before the season, I predicted the Royals, I believe, 91 wins, and Cleveland, I think, 89. So I've always thought Cleveland is an upper 80s team, and I still think they are. They could hit 90, depending on how bad the Royals are this year. But I think Cleveland's going to win the division now. I'm, I've unpinned my bold tweet back when the day the Royals signed both Jason Hamill and Travis Wood. I thought that was the day to put the Royals over the top. They went out and signed the two best arms on the market. Big response from David Glass, who has stepped up the last several years when it comes to payroll. And that should be noted as well, that he's given the Royals what they need. You're over $140 million this year, anywhere from 141 to 146 depending on what happened with Ventura's money and some other things, and then Fonte money and some bonuses and other things we don't know totally everything about. But we'll say 143, 144 is their payroll at the moment. Right? And that's number 14 in baseball. And Glass had the 15th-ranked payroll last year. He's done what he can. He's signed Gordon long-term. He's given Dayton the money to go out and sign free agents the last few years. You know? but And I thought the day they signed Wood and Hamill would be the day to put them over the top to win the division. You go out and, you know, to a team, that, a core that's back one more year and hungry and healthy and in their peak years. You got guys in their mid to late 20s, and the rest of them are in their early 30s. I mean, there's a couple guys. You knew Brandon Moss was on the back end of his career. You knew Alex Gordon probably in the back end of his prime years. But you didn't expect these guys to completely fall off. And Moss has woken up a little bit the last few days. And even Gordon's starting to hit the ball more, and he's striking out less than he ever has his entire career. So some, some better days ahead for Gordo and for Moss, but you look at guys like Hosmer, who would have thought that would happen? Or he's just turned into Ross Glode Jr. I mean, Ross Glode wasn't even this bad for stretches this long. Uh, I mean, Escobar is turned into Mike Pelfrey at the plate. I mean, he's turned into a bad-hitting pitcher. You had Mondesi out there, who was worse than that. He was a double-A hitting pitcher. You know, you had Orlando, couldn't get it going, and... Moss is just now getting it going, and even guys like Kane, who you think are having good years, really aren't having that good years. He's what seven forty OPS. He's solid. In the, you know his first home run today. You know he's good for this team, but even he is not really. He's on the bottom end of what you'd expect out of him. Anyway, we'll get to some of that here in a bit. But the bottom line is the Royals find themselves on May first, zero and eight against the two teams picked fourth and fifth by most in their own division. And that's because they wasted three weeks of great starting pitching by scoring no runs. You know, give up two runs, lose two to one. Give up one run, lose one, nothing. Give up two runs, lose three, two. Give up one run, lose two, one. Over and over and over, we saw it. So that's one reason the Royals are where they're at. The second reason, of course, is the regression that was going to come with the starting pitching. And that's not a knock on the starting pitching. Still phenomenal start for the starting pitching. But you obviously aren't going to have a 2.25 starting pitching ERA long term. And you had to figure at some point the starting pitching is going to regress a little bit. We've seen it the last time through the rotation. The last couple times Duffy's gotten hit pretty hard, especially the last time out against the White Sox. Vargas was hit a little bit harder than normal against the White Sox, although the Royals for some reason changed his approach in that game and started pitching up, 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 when that's not what he was doing before, which is a little confusing to me, but might digress. But you knew that stuff was coming. And, of course, when the Royals' bats start waking up a little bit, they've shown a little bit of life recently, and then the starting pitching regresses. And you've got guys like Jason Hamill out there with six-and-a-half ERAs and Travis Wood out there with God knows how high that ERA is now. The last I checked, it was like 18.6. It's frustrating, and... You know, it's frustrating for me. I was as bold as anybody, and, and I won't apologize for that because I'm, that's how I am. But 
it's frustrating to see the Royals completely tank it in the first month of the season. It's, it's like the season's over before it ever started, right? We were excited about it, and like from the first game of the year, we had clunker after clunker. We had one kind of exciting stretch in the last homestand when the Royals got back to 7-7, seven and seven, but now they're 7-16, and 16 and I look like a moron right now. And it's not all about me, it's just, but I, I'm sure I you feel my pain, you know? We, we all thought we had one more good run with these players. Even if you didn't think they were going to win the division like I did, I'm certainly sure the majority of you thought they'd play over 500, right? And I think the majority of you figured they'd be in the wild card race till the very end, if not at least sneak in the postseason. I don't think that's a stretch. Maybe some people thought the division winning prediction was a stretch. I don't think anybody saying the Royals win over 81 would call you a stretch on that. So, but they're not a good baseball team, guys. They're seven and 16. It's enough to tell me that it's not going to really turn around when you're pretty weak at the number four and five spots in the rotation right now. Right? I mean, you're pretty weak at the four and five spots. Your one through three is definitely playoff worthy, but your four and five are not. At, you know, you probably have a league average bullpen in the end. At the end of this year, if they kept this whole bullpen together, it's a league average bullpen. Moylan's regressing a little bit, as, as of course he's going to. Soria's not going to have a zero ERA, but his first nine appearances had a zero ERA and gave up some runs the other night, although the defense contributed to that. We'll talk about that in a bit. But you look at probably at best a league average bullpen. You've probably got you know a good rotation, but that's the only thing at this point that's really above average on this team. You've got a good rotation. You've got an average bullpen. You've got a below average offense, and of course the defense to me is turned average. I mean, you got pumpkins out there on defense, especially in this series. You gave away three, four runs in this series, potentially one to two wins. Two big misplays by Jorge Bonifacio in right field. One on Friday night. One today. He had a big one today by Whit Merrifield on. Uh, when Escobar wasn't even at second base, the Royals get no outs, and you know they don't get an out there. Uh, a run ends up being added on later that inning. He had a play Witt arguably could have made on Friday night. I'm, I'm not going to say he should have because he shouldn't have, but a play he could have made. Between that and the Bonifacio error, there's a good chance that Sori doesn't have a, any run score in that inning, and he still has a zero ERA, and the Royals have broken that winning streak and gotten a split in this series, right? You have a, a throwing error by Moose in the ninth inning today that – Ended up being big when the Royals pushed across their fifth run on the Whit Merrifield home run, his second of the year. Would have brought the Royals within one without that. You want to go back even further, had Bonifacio caught the ball earlier in the game, that would, the game would have been tied after the Merrifield home run. The Royals gave away two runs on defense today, but the one on the ninth with Moose and Haas not being able to make the pick. You're just seeing guys who normally make plays all over the field not make plays. It's just it's frustrating. It's like, what happened? And then you're seeing offensively selfish approaches. I talked about this on Friday night, and we got in a couple, uh, you know, little arguments with with Royals fans who I love the passion, and there were some intelligent fans. One of them quit following me, which was too bad. Greg Sheeran or Sharon, good guy, very intelligent baseball guy, but went off on me about this. I, I didn't really understand it. I mean, I tweeted the Royals are down two on Friday night in the ninth inning, right? Your first hitter is Alcides Escobar, and what's he doing? He's swinging at pitches at his neck. He swings at the first pitch at his neck. A fastball up. What's he going to do with that? What is Alcides Escobar going to do with the fastball at his neck besides pop it up or foul it off? Nothing. Whatever happened to the days of him getting on base and running and slapping the ball to the right side and dragging bunts and, and being an action player and, and playing within his means. It's, we always talk about this every year. It's like he always has this fantasy where he's going to be a 10 to 12 home run. He thinks he's Elvis Andrews or something and you know thinks he's going to be this power header. And then about this time every year, May 15th, he decides, oh, you know, I was stupid for doing that. I'm going to go back to what made me good. And Omar Infante was a guy who didn't get enough credit for the, you know, the influence he had on Escobar with teaching him how to be a better hitter. 
Omar Infante, you know, people always gave James Shields the credit for Danny Duffy and so on and, and kind of turning around that rotation. Omar Infante was a big part of the turnaround in some of the Latin players, especially Escobar. So him being on, I don't know if that hurts that much. I don't know. I mean, Escobar's a veteran player. There's no excuses by now. You've been, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. We've gone through this multiple years now, but he's been selfish the whole year. It's been bad. Hurt today, what is. Last eight at bats, he'd seen 17 pitches. I mean, it goes. You're down, the next hitter comes up, Brandon Moss. He swings at a bad ball right away. Three of the first four pitches in that ninth inning on Friday night, the Royals down two. They swing a balls out of the zone, and Moss does hit a rocket. But that wasn't even the pitch I was talking about. And that's where Greg got mad at me. He's like, "Well, he still hit the ball 108 miles an hour." He did, but that's not the point. The point was the Royals are down two, and they're being selfish. You ain't gonna win when you're being stupid. When you're playing dumb, you don't win baseball games. That's selfish. You're down two. You take a strike at least. You're down one. I don't get two craps if you swing at the first pitch. Go ahead. Try to hit the ball at the ballpark. You're down two. You don't swing at the first freaking pitch at your neck. You don't swing at the first three of the first four that are balls. And yes, he hit the ball hard, but he didn't get on base, did he? Maybe if some of these guys were taking some strikes, they'd, you know, you know, they'd draw some walks and tack some pitch counts, see the ball better, and get back within themselves again. So trying to do, you know, trying to do too much. So it's frustrating to me. It really is. So. 23 games, obviously enough sample to be highly alarmed. It's enough sample to know this team's not going to win the division. And it's enough sample to know this team is most likely going to be sellers come June and July. I mean, here's the problem, guys. The Royals are nine games under 500. You might say, yeah, David, but it's only May 1st. Okay, fair enough. But let's say the Royals go 11-4 and four the next 15 games, okay? After they go 11-4, and four, which is what, 700 baseball? There's still two games under 500. Okay, then by by then we're almost to May 15th, right? So you're still under 500, and that's best case. I mean, they're not going to go 11 and four, but let's just say they win 11 and four. Okay, there's still two games under 500. It's May 15th now. Let's say they follow up that with a six and four, which is still good. That's 600 ball. Okay, now you're back to 500, and it's the end of May. You're pushing the end of May. You're just not getting back to 500 June 1st. By now, Cleveland is 10, 12 games over 500. That's why I say the division's gone. It's gone. You're back in the wild card if, if June 1st you're at 500. But who thinks this team's going to go 17 and 8 over the next 25 games? That's what it's going to take for them to be at 500. They have to go 17 and 8 over the next 25 games just to get back to 500 towards the end of May. After that, then, you have to play 500 the rest of the year, except you're going to have to have one to two more stretches of 17 and 8. This is what I've been saying. You dig a hole early in the season. You give yourself no margin for error. Now, the rest of the season, the Royals basically have to have two different stretches where they go 17 and 8. They're going to have to go like 34 and 16 for a good portion of this season, and then they're going to have to play exactly 500 after that. They basically can't have any more six-game losing streaks. They can't lose five out of six. They can't lose seven of ten. You're buried. The division's gone. The wild card's all but gone. And you come back to what we've been talking about. You've got selfish hackers up there offensively playing for themselves, being selfish. You've got guys who somehow can't hit all of a sudden, and now you've got the starting rotation regressing a bit, as you thought it would be. The defense isn't quite there. There's been some questionable managerial decisions. I mean, Ned's about problem number 25 on this team. Or 26, if you want to be exact. But I mean, the managing is the managing has maybe cost him one game this year. For one thing, pitching to Joe Maurer was just playing stupid on Friday night with second and third and one out, first base open. You don't play the infield in against the guy who puts the bat in the ball. Sure, Grossman, the next hitter, is more apt to hit the ball out of the ballpark or hit a gap than Joe Maurer is, but Joe Maurer is going to come through and put the bat in the ball in that situation. Put him on base, set up a double play against the younger hitter and get out of it. I mean, that didn't cost him the game necessarily, but I'm just saying there's been certain things a couple of times like that, like letting Brandon Moss, the home opener, bat against the lefty, 
in a game situation when you're what oh and six or one and five whatever it was two and four two and four when you're two and four and you need a win and but somehow the second game of the year Moss couldn't start against a lefty but you live in these game situations against lefties against hard throwing lefties with game situations like there's just been certain things that have been not the most intelligent that Ned has done so anyway that just I'm just adding all this stuff together trying to figure out what happened here and. Yeah, the season's basically over before it started, and I'm sorry if you've got a problem with that. But I think I've just il- illustrated it with numbers. You know, realistically, the Royals obviously aren't going to go those stretches I just said, anyways. I mean, it, it, it would be pretty shocking if the Royals are ever above 500 the rest of the season from this point on. Jason Hamill falls to 0 3 with a 6.65 ERA. Been awful. Moose, 8.56 OPS is good. Salvi, 8.37 is good. Kane is very average at 7.43. Other than that, though, OPS-wise, Haas, 5.73. Gordo, 4.86. Escobar, 4.20. Moss, 6.17. All those are awful. Merrifield has trouble finding at bats every day somehow, even though he's the him and Kane are, and Gordon are about the only three that consistently go up there and have good at bats. Bad defense Friday night, 6-4 loss with Joaquin Soria getting tagged with a pretty unfair line that night. The Royals, of course, waste another good outing from Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy's season now, 31 innings in. His season's about, what, 15% of the way over. He has a 2.30 ERA, and he's 0-2. It's a bad baseball team. Next three days, Dylan Covey against Jason Vargas on Monday. The Royals saw Covey just the other day in Chicago. Did okay against him. Got a couple off of him. Vargas, of course, Came back down to earth a little bit. I expect him to pitch a good game tomorrow night. I, I do expect the Royals to get a win. I think they'll be able to push four or five runs across tomorrow night. I think Vargas will give up two or three. I think the Royals will edge out a 4-3, 5-3 type victory tomorrow night and get game one in Chicago. Tuesday night, you've got Carlos Quintana. Or Jose, Carlos Quintana. Jose Quintana. Quintana. Carlos Quintana was a hitter, right, that that, uh, that crowded the plate. They used to always get hit all the time. Quintana against Duffy on Tuesday night. Quintana... Of course, remedied himself a little bit against the Royals his last time out. Not a shock. He's one and four with a five-two-two. Give you a guess who that win was against. Duffy's two and one with a two-eight-one, and Duffy will look to rebound a little bit after a rough start in Chicago the other night. Eh, coin flip game. Give me the Royals. Give me the White Sox on Wednesday with Mike Pelfrey and Nate Carnes. Pelfrey is basically the twin of Jason Hamill at this point. Two guys that you throw. A gas can on the fire when they come in the game and start a game. Pelfrey 0-1 with a 5-0. Nate Carnes 0-2 with a 6-2-6. I'll still take the White Sox because you got to figure they're going to get at least one of these games. They've been playing a lot better. The offense for them has woken up over the last week after being the second worst in the MLB. They've really woken up since playing the Royals and are playing a little bit better offensively. Getting Todd Frazier back in the lineup certainly does help. Length in that lineup as well, and some young guys starting to come through. Matt Davidson, a nice-looking young player. Not a stud or anything, but a nice-looking young player, and some other guys throughout that lineup. So you got to take the Royals with Vargas and Duffy you know, going. Win at least one of those games, and you know they could easily win the Carnes-Pelfrey game as well. I mean, Carnes is probably a better pitcher than Pelfrey, but I'm just saying if I'm picking the Royals the first two games – you know, you must be realistic because team's not going to sweep the White Sox. So let's get the Royals for a series win here. Otherwise, you know, I'm 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 just frustrated like you where we're at. But it's May first, and I think it's very important as we go forward to remember the the great times we've had with this this core group of guys and enjoy the remainder of their days here in Kansas City. And and I think that hopefully the Royals will win some games and 
you know, keep the casual fans at least semi-interested. It's a it's a big year in the grand scheme too when you look at not only ticket retention, but you look at that TV contract coming up. It ends in two seasons or a year and whatever year and eighty percent of the season left, and you know it'd be good to not see the TV rankings completely tank this summer. So you hope that the Royals are able to be a little more exciting for the casual fan and. It'll be interesting because certainly a number of guys will be available on the trade market. I've gotten several tweets saying, when will the trading begin? Who will the Royals give up? You know, it's not going to happen right now. You know, I, I can see the Royals making a move in June. But, you know, we haven't even seen Jorge Soler up here yet. The Royals want to get their full team together. And Dayton's always said 45 games. And, you know, we're about 20 games. We're about a month away from the Royals probably starting to realistically consider making some moves. Certainly they're coming. You've got a number of, of pieces that are valuable. The, the names that could go, and all these won't go, but the most realistic guys that are going to be in demand the most, number one is Lorenzo Cain, premium position. If they continue to pitch well, obviously Kennedy, Vargas, and Herrera, even to a degree Soria. Soria's contract is very fair. You know, a year and a half left on it, the way he's pitching for a contender would, would gladly take Joaquin Soria if he keeps pitching how he is. Herrera, same thing. Kennedy and Vargas, same thing. Maybe Kennedy not quite as attractive because he still has three-plus years and an opt-out after this year, but certainly Vargas in the last year of a deal is attractive. Um, you know, hear Hosmer and Moose. I don't see Moose going anywhere. I see him staying. I think that's the one the Royals will keep. I do think Kane will get traded. I do think there's a good chance Hosmer gets traded. Not as much value as people think there is for him. So he may end up staying because you can't just trade everybody. If you end up trading all your pitching, you can't – you know, trade the entire team away. But certainly, if we get down to it, it's still a very important season for the Royals for a number of reasons. Like I said, the TV deal, trying to keep the interest there. Uh, for, for for these guys going out the right way, you've got several Royals Hall of Famers. You don't want to talk too much trash about them, and you don't want to be booing them out there. You don't want to be too negative. You want to be able to enjoy their last days with the Royals because they've done a lot, and they'll be coming back for years and years, and they'll be in our hearts forever, certainly. And to a degree, also, you want them to do well and uh, give back to this organization through what they – get via trade some of these guys. I mean, some of these guys could really not only have won us a title, but end up helping us win another title. When you go back and look at even Grinky, the Royals don't win that World Series without Escobar and Kane. Odorizzi, which turned, helped them bring back Wade Davis in the James Shields trade. I mean, you go through them I and, you know, these trades, you know, the Jonathan Sanchez for Guthrie trade and on and on. I mean, all these trades set the Royals up where they've been. Most of their free agent signings have been busts. That's true. The Zobers trade was phenomenal. The Cueto trade didn't end up great, but it did because they won a World Series and he pitched two of the best games in, in Royals postseason history. So, you know, the, the Dayton has batted about a thousand with his trades. The free agent signings have been pretty bad the last few years, but certainly Dayton knows what he's doing. And, and I, I trust him to build the next generation of Royals teams. And, and hopefully we'll be able to shorten up this quote unquote rebuilding curve. Some people think it'll take four, five, six years. I don't think so. I, I think the Royals could be pretty competitive within a couple years again. So uh, we'll just, you know, it's, it's depressing talking about this May 1st when you're like me who, Thought they were going to win the division as of eight days ago. <laughs> you know, so, hey, I'm still getting used to saying this outside. It's like therapy right now. You know, to, to say this out loud. You know, it, it's therapy talking to you for this. So, love to hear your thoughts. It's Dave O at ClubhouseConversation.com. You can follow on Twitter at Royals Clubhouse, and of course, we have a Facebook as well at Clubhouse Conversation. We will talk to you again midweek. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Hang in there, Royals fans. Uh, you know, it's it's a rough start. It's it's a, certainly a, a highly disappointing season, but. Well, hopefully things will get a little more exciting and better, and the Royals will get some exciting 
guys via trade and some exciting young players will come up from the minor leagues and the draft will be here. We'll have enough exciting things to happen to get us pumped up again and, and getting us really excited about Royals baseball. Because certainly the future is still very, very bright for this organization after a very, very pleasant recent several years for the Royals organization. We'll talk to you soon. Go Royals!